Those of you that are brand new with us, you are joining a journey, uh, not only in a series that we're doing called Rise Up, but you are joining a journey with a church that is believing for a fresh encounter with God. We're believing for uh, what you would call revival, but not necessarily maybe what you think revival is. Revival is where God's people actually come back to the Word and start living the Word. Amen? So that's what we're believing for and sensing in our church that we are a people here in the panhandle that are hungry and thirsty for God and want to get back to His Word and line up our lives to what He wants. And when that takes place, God just moves in a powerful way. Amen? If you missed last week, you, you missed a very important message that we're going to tag this message to it. So I would highly encourage you, if today doesn't make sense, it's not my fault. It's simply because you missed church last Sunday. But you can always go back and and look online, uh, whether that be our Northfield Facebook page or online to uh, catch up to that message. But turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Hopefully it'll make sense if you missed last Sunday. Today we're, we're, we're literally just going to pick up from where we la- left off last Sunday. And, and last Sunday's message, if you will, becomes a companion to what we're going to really talk about today. Today, I hope you leave with a true deep understanding that our family perspective, how we were raised, how mom and dad were, the impact of our culture from our friends, from our family members, from our association, what we called last week is culture. Those influences can limit you to where God wants you to be. That's really the crux of last week, and we're going to dive into that family perspective today. We said something last week, I want to say it again, because we we looked at the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, but Egypt didn't necessarily come out of them. So that is why it doesn't do you any good to be physically removed from Egypt. We, We talked about our spirit can be saved, but if our mentality is still attached to the culture and the ways of Egypt, we're not going to change that much. Are you hearing me this morning? Are you ready to dive in? It's going to be thick. Somebody go ahead and say, Al, because it's going to hurt. But those of you that are brand new, I bet you anybody that has been with me for a period of time will let you know that their shepherd loves them and that their shepherd wants the best for them and wants this church to be all that God's called us to be as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and I don't know, Mike, if there's even a way as we are going live, if there's a way once we turn everything around to get a picture of it and put it up there, if you can do that, I'll, 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 I'll forever be indebted to you. I don't see Mike back there, but now it's a challenge for y'all. I feel like something's going to change today. I really do. You better be ready, whoever you are. The Holy Ghost is is zooming in on somebody right now. I feel it in my spirit. 32T, 
10 through 12. Deuteronomy 32, 10 through 12. In a desert land, he found them, him. In a bearing and, and howling waste. He shielded him and cared for him. He, he guarded him as the apple of his eye. Like an eagle stirs up its nest, hover over its young, spreads its wings to catch them and carries them on its pinions. The Lord alone led him. No foreign God was with him. The Lord is leading somebody and he wants to stir something up in your life so that he can get you out of the Egypt that you're in. Let's pray. Father, the gravity of the moment is thick. I pray that conviction would actually hit this house. I know none of us likes it, but I love it. I love it because you're changing me. I love it because you're making me better. I love it because you're molding and shaping me into who you created me to be. I love it because things die that should die in my life. I love it because the Bible says wherever there's conviction, it is proof that I am a child of the living God. So convict me all you want, Father. Because when you do, my soul cries out, Abba, Daddy. Thank you, Daddy, for pointing that out in my life. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, Amen. Today would be considered a directional message. Prophetic, in a sense, if you will. An instructional message to all of those. How many of you would actually say you have heard in your lifetime, you're just like your daddy? Keep your hand up, keep your hand up. Maybe you'll have to raise the other one. How many of you ever heard, you're just like your mama? Keep them up, keep them up, no matter which one you answered. How many of you, with your hands still up, love it when somebody says that? Okay, about half and half. So some of you got some really good moms and dads and you want to strive to be like them. But the other half of you that said, "Uh uh-uh. There's something about mama and something about daddy you don't like that's in you and you don't like it either. Amen? So today is really a, an instructional message of how to come out of that because to fully appreciate the message today, we, we've got to be rooted in the theological understanding of last Sunday. Because last Sunday what we said is that God saves our spirit. He, he lives within our spirit, but the salvation of our mind, the renewing of our mind, it is a process and that job is yours. The Holy Spirit just doesn't, you know, when you get saved go, and then all of a sudden your mind is transformed. You've got to do that work. And we're transformed by the renewing of our mind to see those things that are not Christ-like, find out what is the possibility that I can be according to the Lord Jesus Christ and begin to replace the lie and the nastiness and the ugliness with God's beauty. Amen? But that takes work. And most of you don't like work. Especially when it comes to spiritual things. So what I'm trying to say, and we said it a little bit last week, is that some of us in this room can be saved... But we can still be a little bit crazy. 
We can be saved, but yet carnal. We can be saved, but yet crazy. It means people can be born again, and that person can still be hard to deal with. So that man that you're married to can be born again, but not really that great of a husband. That woman that you're married to can be, be born again, but not really be a good wife. That man or woman can be born again, but, but not really be good, good co-workers or not really be a good boss. And I say all this to bring us into awareness that we can be spiritually rejuvenated, but emotionally frustrated. Spiritually rejuvenated, but emotionally frustrated. Many Christians are walking their life day in and day out, and and we are spiritually dwarfed. We are spiritually handicapped, or we are spiritually limited. So really when we dive into the text today, it makes us understand that I'm not in this thing alone. There is God that is doing something in my life and he begins to reveal to us the process putting the legs on what I talked about last week. So that's why I'm saying it it may not register fully with you or to the depths of your spirit simply because you missed last week when we talked about culture. But I do want to fill you in if you're brand new of what I mean when I talk about culture. Because culture, the word originally, was brought up in the 1700s when it dealt with plants. It was the ability to to have external things that influence the development of that plant. So when you think about culture, you think about the plant's parameters. Is there enough sun? Is there enough water? Is there enough fertilizer? Is there enough nutrients? Is there external things that we're doing to this plant that make that plant reach the full potential in which God created it? Because if I remove any of those great external things and start not giving it sun and start feeding it things that are bad for it, that plant will never reach its full potential. So the question is, is what external environment is there in your life that has affected you that you're not reaching peak performance? For example, in my home life, Was mama or daddy a fighter? In my home life, did fear rule the home? In my home life, was somebody easily tempted and given to that temptation? Was there worry throughout the home? Was there insecurity that I learned from my mom or from my dad? Was there harsh tones and harsh talking that influences me now? How about, you know what, it's just negative. Mama was just a negative, critical person. What about that temper that I saw growing up? Or maybe that little tantrum is somebody always flew off the handle or, or what about that tongue that all I heard was cuss words and, and negative talk and lack of appreciation what external parameters in my home from my family perspective has stunted my spiritual growth I am not reaching my peak performance as a Christian and I know it's going to be hard to see over here. What, what things have dwarfed me? What things have 
handicap me? What things are limiting me? Because culture, we are now using that term to describe people. Well, it's their culture. This thing, this external influence is why the way that they are. Because it affects how we develop. Now when I I look, I can see how how that person thinks is just like their mama. How that person thinks is just like their daddy. So their background, their family affects how they are. The gender affects how you are. Friends affect how you are. All of the external factors really affect me. But when I read the text and I marry it with a last week's teaching, the text says I'm going to deal with my people like an eagle deals with its eaglets. How many of you were as nerdy as me and watched those bald eagles in Florida sitting on the nest hatching some eggs? I am the only dummy in here. Okay, two of you. I sat there and I was amazed. Bald eagles in Florida just doing this. But, but as I watch these little birdies hatch, I'm like, wow. The bald eagle species, the male and the female, both prepare the nest. They build that big old thing. But they prepare this nest, which in essence becomes an environment. An environment that when the eggs are delivered, their beginning environment is already nicely prepared for the egg. And then I got to thinking, all the, all the branches are where that mama and daddy bird had been. Every branch that makes the nest was an indication of where mama and daddy had been. Somebody say, had been. So, in essence, that little eaglet didn't get to pick the nest that it was born into. And hello, you don't get to pick the home that you're born into either. You don't get to pick your mama and your daddy. You don't get to pick your family. You're just born into it. We are born into a family. And we don't get to determine your personality is whacked. We don't know no better. Are you hearing me? Therefore, everything we learn, soft-spoken or loud, fighters or lovers, positive or negative, Laughter and joy or yelling and screaming. Complaining or appreciation. We learn it from our family. And then to add to that, we're exposed to neighbors and friends. And Lord have mercy today. All the political perspectives that shape our national view of the world. All of these external factors shape who you are right now. 
these things that you see up here. I, sorry, they did really good, okay? So it just freaked me out. Didn't think they were going to be able to pull it off. Go team. So all these things that you see up here, now it's like, that's why I think the way that I think. These things have framed my perspective. These things have framed my opinion. Therefore, it influences how I react. It influences whether I get angry, whether I get afraid, whether I get worried. Because a large percentage of it starts right here in the home. And the home determines, like I said last week, what it means when she says I love you. And then what it means when he says I love you. The two can be totally different. The home literally determines the value that your kids and you now place on work. The home determines, do I put a large stock in integrity? Do I walk in integrity? Do I believe in purity? Do I believe in walking uprightly before the Lord? Do I believe in in working hard? Because all of this is shaped by where you came from. So I have learned is you can take somebody out of the family, (laughs) but you can't take the family out of the person. It only takes an act of God to do that. Look, I've seen educated people. Education doesn't take this out of them. Because you can have somebody that's got more degrees than a thermometer and they're educated beyond belief, but baby, you make them angry and they're going to be an angry educated person. Why? Because they learned it from mama. Because people react out of what formed them and what built them. So now what I must understand is, is I have to be careful that because this can shape me as a communicator, I have to be careful with you that I don't demonize the home. Because let me tell you something. The home is a blessing. I love my mama. But I don't like some of her carnal ways. I love my daddy. But I don't like some of his carnal ways. I thank God for mama. I thank God for daddy. They provided me a nice home. They provided me a comfortable home. Mama and daddy, if you're listening, I love you. But there's some things about you. That I look at myself and I go, that's acting just like Ron and that's acting just like Sandra. (laughs) And see, the eagle at first makes that nice, comfortable nest. Puts all the sticks just where it needs to be to form what what they call the, the nest bowl. And inside the nest bowl, it is so nice and it is so comfortable. I came to research that they even put moss in the nest bowl. Why? It's a natural insect repellent for those baby birds. Not only that, but when they plop out that egg, it it, it plops down on downy feathers, the soft feathers of the bird, to where that egg won't crack. And literally all of those sticks are shaped in a way that the stick is not poking on that little baby bird throughout its lifespan. And all of us in here, we grew up in a nice, comfortable home. 
thank God for mama. Thank God for daddy. And, and if you look at the eagle's nest, it is brilliant. It's brilliant in its design. But when the eagles hatch, they're not meant to stay there. See, the eaglets are born in a nice, comfy place. A, somebody say protected. A protected place. And it all happens at the beginning. This is our beginning world. Nice, comfortable. We have our parents. We have our family. We have our association. So now, everything that I see, I see through the lens of what has affected me. I see through the lens of what has influenced me. I begin to look at my world through where I came from. Your perception of right and wrong. Your perception of of good and evil, up and down, left and right. It was all developed and formed by the home. That is why two people can stand up here and see the world totally different because they were raised in two totally different homes. So here's the eaglet. It eventually hatches. Hatches in that nice, comfortable home. Mom and dad come. And I love the eagles because they just drop that stuff there instead of going, you know. (laughs) And they just eat it up. They bring food. They bring protection. That daddy will just attack any bird that that tries to come near. And it's a good place. We too, when we were babies, we ate in the home. We were protected in the home. We slept in the home. We got our early development in the home. And listen to me, if, if you're taking notes, maybe this should be something you should chew on. The home initially is a blessing. But if you grew up in things like this, the home eventually can become a curse if you remain in it too long as a spirit-filled believer. Are you hearing me this morning? That's why in our text today, the, the, the Lord says, like an eagle, I'm going to stir this up. See, the stirring is different than the building. The building was for protection. They built the nest for protection. Protect that egg. Protect those babies. But eventually the stirring starts to happen when the eaglet grows too big for the nest. Somebody say grow too big. My question to you, how many of you have been coming to this church over a year? Okay. Is it possible that after the teaching Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, is your spirit growing too big to stay in the flesh that is so small? 
Are you too big for something so small? Is it getting tight in here when you start reading the Word and you find out these things aren't lining up with the Word of God? Do you stay in here? Because after all, this is nice. This is familiar. This is comfy. These are the things that I've, I've learned to cope in the environment in which I live. And sure, I understand you venture out from nine to five. You put on that face. Hey, how are you? Oh, it's so good to be here at work. Oh, bless your heart. Amen. Come back home. Shut up! Just shut up! It's like, who is this person? You argue with your wife. You tell her you hate her. You tell her bad things. You you talk down to your kids. you're, You're perfect out there, nine to five. But you come in here. And that's why a lot of people can marry a good person. But if they're not used to a good person, they will fight with that person because the fight is what was comfortable here. That's all I knew. So I'm going to fight you. And you're like, what does stink? I just said good morning. See, we'll always, and when I say venture back home, don't think, okay, I'm going to my mama's house to eat Thanksgiving dinner. No, I'm talking about we we venture back to this. We venture back to the influence of the carnal and fleshly things that mama and daddy did that we saw. Are we venturing back? Are we coming back to those things? Because every day I'm presented with the option that I can veer out and go with the Word of God or this is comfy because I don't have to change. And then you know what I get to tell him? And you know what I get to tell her? That's just who I am. Deal with it. That's the way my mama was. That's the way my daddy was. Hello! That's why sometimes when Carrie ventures back home, I gotta go, I have to go, Shelly? Is that you, Shelly? <laughs> Come on back to me, Carrie. Come on back. And there's times that she's got to look at me and go, Ron. I'm like, God, I don't want to be him. <laughs> because here we don't have to do better. Right? This is my system. My anger controls the house. I'm in control. This helps me to function in my environment in which I live. Even if this environment, after getting good word, after getting good world, becomes too small of who God has created me to be. I'll stay small instead of rising up. There's the title of the message. And becoming everything that God's called me to be. That's why the eagle stirs the nest. They will stir the nest in many ways. But the bald eagle will literally place food on other tree branches to where the eaglet's got to come out. And if they're stubborn, that eagle will start taking those sticks that were once poking outward. He will poke them inward 
because it's getting cramped in here. Now that hurts, and I've got to be what I was created to be. i got to get out of here, because the eagle was never created to stay here. He was created to rise up and soar above it. And when God begins to stir your life, He will call you out of the nice and comfortable and said, I created you more than to live in fear. I've created you more than to fight with your wife. Don't you worry. There's enough worry in itself of tomorrow. Don't you be insecure. Be who I say you can be and rise above it. Somebody say rise up. That's what I'm trying to get you to do, church. Rise above this smallness and come into what God's called you to be. But you've got to be careful because your culture and your perspective and how you react, all of these things that influence you. I would say to all the believers that have been saved for more than four to five years, you're too small or you're too big to live in something so small. After four or five years of your Christian walk, you should be at a point now that you're doing what God's calling you to do in your life. Because some of you in this place, He's calling you out of your comfortable excuses. He's calling you and pinpointing you through the Holy Spirit saying, you're not growing anymore. I'm going to stir you up. You're not becoming like my son anymore. I'm going to stir you up. You're not being what I created you to be. You're not going deeper with me anymore. You used to, but you're not going deeper anymore with me. And the Bible says that if we would judge ourselves, he wouldn't have to judge us. What does that mean? It means I'm here and then all of a sudden somebody didn't flush the toilet and I had a temper and I went off and I said some things with my tongue and I was harsh and and, and it's, ah, I've got to get out of this. I've got to be better. God's calling me out. I'm judging myself that this doesn't line up with the word of God. So I'll find who I am in Christ. I will transform my mind and become who God's called me to be. I'm judging myself. And when I judge myself, I come out. And when I'm coming out, guess what? God doesn't stir you. And see, some of you think the stirring of God here is about the wooing of God of bringing you deeper. No, two different things. I've taught you about the wooing of God, how He woos you and pulls you into a deeper relationship. But the stirring is much different because what God does now to stir you, He uses situations, circumstance, and trials. Well, that's a mean God. Nope. He wants you to look like Jesus, He wants you to be better, He wants you to come out of this. Are you hearing me this morning? But see, we've, we, we've got some Christians. I love you. I, have I told you that already? We've got some stubborn Christians. I ain't going to change. If it hair lips the Pope, I ain't doing nothing. But you're killing our family. Deal with it. If you wouldn't act the way you act, I wouldn't act the way I act. So they don't want to change. That's who I am. 
I don't care what the Word says. I'm not going to change. I'm just going to be a stubborn Christian. I'm going to be a carnal Christian. That's what I'll be. I'll be carnal. Why? Because I love all of these things that help me to deal with people, to keep my world in control, because I learned it from Mama, and I learned it from Daddy. And if this is hitting you inside the gut, it's to you I've come to talk about today. It's to you that I've come to chase after today, to tell you and grab you and say, No! There's more to what you can be if you would just find out who you were created to be. Because you were not created to sit here. You were created to rise above it. Are you hearing me? It's to you that I came by to speak. Those of you that pout like mama pouts. Sulks like daddy sulks. Who gets angry like you saw maybe your grandmother or your grandfather get angry all the time. Those of you that choose to yell and scream when conflict comes, just like Uncle Jesse used to do. It is to you that I've come to sit right beside you and say, let's have a little talk with Jesus, shall we? Because I love a scripture in the book of Job. Job said, I I began to contemplate and I began to think and I I thought I'm going to die in my home. Here he is, he had his wife, he had his kids, he had his property, he had his job. He was banking the dough. He had a good thing going on. But Job said, I think I'm going to die in my own house. And I know that was totally different, but the Holy Spirit told me to come and ask you, are you dying in this? Are your kids dying Because you still got a temper. Is your wife wanting to leave you because you're still these things? Are you going to die in your home? Because I believe that there are people in this room today that you have made a decision in your heart and in your spirit and in your mind saying, no, pastor, I'm not going to die in my home. I'm going to allow God to stir me and I'm going to go deeper and I'm going to come out of this because I don't like this. And when God stirs me, I know everything is going to be okay because he's got the best for me, but he's changing my perception. He's changing my mind. He's changing who I am. And I'm pressing on towards the high mark of the high call of the Lord. Jesus Christ and it shall be less of me and more of him can you give him praise in this place Glory to God. some of you are not satisfied with your old ways and if you're not God's stirring you some of you tell me God's stirring me pastor and I'm telling you rise above it rise above it by transforming your mind Some of you used to act like the world, but now that you've come in here, you know what? You've realized, I'm hurting my wife. I'm hurting my kids. I'm, I'm thinking too small. My behavior is too small. But God is calling me to rise above the pattern of this world. Romans 12, 1 through 2. So I don't know about you, but I'm not satisfied with these things in my life. I'm not satisfied with these things in my life. 
these things are holding me down of who I can be, who I should be. So I have to realize i got to change my mind and rise up and be like Jesus. I don't know about you dads, but i got to be a better father. I don't know about you moms, but you got to be a better mother. we got to be better spouses. We've got to press on each day. Not just listen to preachers, but get into this on your own and say, My God, my God, it is a mirror. There is a blemish. I am going to fix it. Or the Bible calls me a fool when I see the blemish. I close the Bible and do absolutely nothing about it. Are you hearing me this morning? Oh, Lord. Yes. I stink. Well, if you feel that way, rise up. Because the power of the Holy Spirit can give you the power to rise above it. But you got to partner with Him. The reason you're going, yes, is because you're, you know you're too big right now to live so small. Am I right? So I don't know about you. I'm not satisfied. And God is stirring this church. God is stirring the people in this church. Visitors, you stick with us long enough, He will stir you too. Because He doesn't want you to be what you used to be. We've got to come to a conclusion, I cannot be this any longer. Because watch this, there was actually a person that came up to Jesus and said, Jesus, I want to follow you. You got it, baby. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be the star Christian. And you know what Jesus said? He looked at that guy and said, really? Foxes don't have dens. Birds don't have nests. And neither does the Son of Man have a place to lay his head. What was he saying? Jesus looked the man square in the eye and said, You cannot follow God and be comfortable where you started from. That was deep. You cannot follow God and be comfortable where you started from. You can't come into a church that has halfway decent preaching. Okay? And not do something. You can't hear good teaching and not go out there and be something. You can't get good word and not transform into something. You cannot walk with Jesus if you choose to stay where you started. Are you hearing me? We're all called to be better. Look at somebody and say, God's stirring me. That's why as a believer that's trying to be as mature as he can, I can no longer hang with people that are not being stirred. I can't really work with people that are not being stirred. I can't even attach my family to another family that is not being stirred. Because people who are comfortable with being less than what God's called them to be, I break out in a rash and I start to itch. 
I'm telling you. We have to be better. Yeah. Thank you, Mama. But I want to be more than what you built. Thanks, Daddy. I appreciate it. But I want to be more than where you left off. Well, why, son? Why, baby? Because God's calling me to more. God's drawing me, Mama. God's drawing me, Daddy. I can't be like you. I can't help it. I get in the Word and something stirs me. I can't help it every time I try to be less than what I was created to be. The Holy Spirit says, son, no, rise up. I've created you to be more than that. Stop not acting like that. That's too small to how big I created you to be. So church, we need to believe there is more to, to this than what you see. That carnal Christian that you've run into that told you off, you've got to believe there's more to you than what I see. To that husband that you're ready to leave, you've got to believe there's more to him than what I see. That wife that keeps on acting out of mama and daddy, there's more to my wife than what I see. i got to pray and believe that they will rise up. Because if any of us stay in this, I'll never be created to what God called me to be. So i got to wake up every day and i got to get in this and i got to see where I have to rise up. And I'm telling you, in this church, we will all go through seasons of discomfort. Why? Because I'm brave enough to get up here and I don't want to tickle your ears and I want to challenge you where you're limiting yourself. And if you don't think that's love, you've never been taught the proper perspective of love. I want to challenge the limitations you're in. It'll be a season as you walk with me and, and, and learn from me and, and I give you what God's giving me. You'll begin to learn. My thinking is limited. How I'm acting is limited. And that's why I tell you, if you don't want a disrupted Christian walk, find you a seeker-sensitive church that they tell you how to have the three steps to a great day, okay? Don't flick anybody off. Don't make anybody mad and just put a smile on your face. That's how to have a good day. But if you don't want to be disrupted, don't get under good preaching. Because really good preaching will disrupt your environment. It'll challenge you to be better. It'll pull you out of your comfort zone. It demands more of you. Why? Because this is too small, baby, for where God wants you. As the musicians come, because I want to give plenty of time for us to get at this altar and cry out to God. And and right now, somebody's already positioned themselves. I ain't going down there. This ain't for me. I don't want this. So really the question in this moment, when I said altar call, is do you have enough want to in you to rise up out of this? Because if you don't, the Holy Spirit can't help you. But I don't know about you, church. But I got to rise up. Every day I got to figure out how to get my life straight. 
Every day I, I got to learn another scripture to transform my mind. I've got to learn how to be a better husband to my wife, better father to my kids, better example to you, better preacher for you, better shepherd. See, I've made a conviction. I'm going to rise up. I'm too big to live in something so small. Stop lying to yourself. Stop convincing yourself that you're supposed to stay here. Whoever you are, stop making excuses that when the pastor says the altar's coming, that I harden my heart. I turn my spirit away. You're not supposed to stay where you are. You were only supposed to start there. It's only a starting place. It's not the finish line. And those situations, those circumstances, their trial that you're in right now, that ain't the devil. That's God. He's stirring you. Come out of your flesh. Come out of your carnality. Come out from the world pattern. And God challenges you and challenges you because He wants you to be better. He doesn't want you to live such a small life. Your potential as a believer in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is too big to stay housed in this. Yeah, it was a blessing when you were small. But God is now saying, rise above. I will rise. I can't help to think about that song that we sang. And I know it's about going to meet Jesus. But I looked at it through the lens of, I need to rise up out of this first. Before I'm ready to meet Jesus. He is bigger than the home in here. And hear me good. Hear me real good. I even hesitated to say this, but our apathetic attitude towards the altar, our apathetic attitude towards the stirring of God is what I will use to remain in something that God never intended me to stay in. And yes, what started out as a protection for you, now that you're walking with Christ, it has become a prison for you. It has become a prison for your wife, a prison for your kids, a prison for your friends and your co-workers. So the first thing that you need to change when you offer your body as a living sacrifice, when you kill something, kill it, then walk out and transform your mind. Because when I look at these things, I don't know about you, but I see those things and those things are ugly. Never forget what my grandmother would say. I throw my little fits. And she say, baby, that's ugly. And God don't like ugly. Look how ugly these things are. And when we're in it, we don't realize how ugly it is either. 
when I look at this potential, when I see what Daddy wants me to be, when I look at the Word, and then I look at this, and I look at the Word, and I look at this, why do I set my excuses? Why do I remain apathetic to the things of God? Because this is who I truly am. And when I act like this, I miss on the life that God came to give me. Those who have been free are free indeed. I have come that you might have life more abundantly. This ain't abundant. This is a prison. And what amazes me now as a pastor after 20-something years of ministry, how people will choose to... wrong with me pastor why is my family falling apart I don't know what's wrong I really don't it's because this is who you are no don't challenge these things I'm comfortable here these help me. And then you don't even know what's wrong. Oh, look at these things. Hey, how are you? Good to see you. God bless you. Can I pray for you? And then it's like, and then you wonder what's wrong. This is what's causing that. And to get out of this, you've got to kill something. Go kill it. Kill it. Ah! I tried to creep back up. I didn't plan that. I'm going to kill that. Kill that. He's got to go too while I'm at it. Because I'm going to rise above that. This altar time is a time of death. I said last week, whenever you kill the sacred cow in your home, your pastor should smell ribeye cooking. Somebody in here, you're trying to change how you talk to people. But have you killed that temper at the altar? And replaced it with who he says you are. Somebody in here, I understand. You're trying to change how you think about things. But have you come to the altar and killed something? It's got to die. The altar's a bloody place because things die. You got to get out of what's holding you down. And I know many of you are trying to rise up. How do I know? Because you keep coming back after I preach Sunday after Sunday. And I preach some hard stuff, I understand. But my question to you today is have you actually killed anything? Because every time you come to the altar, you should be proud instead of scared. 
Because it's telling everybody, I'm killing something. Who am I preaching to? What? Devil? You want me to go back to that? No. The devil whispering in your ear. Remember how you were raised. I'm trying to forget it. Because those things are ugly. I'm not going back. Because I'm trying to transform my mind and come into the purpose that God has for my life. And by golly, when I kill it, I can't go back because I'm learning too much. I can't rest in what I used to rest in. I can't be comfortable what I used to be comfortable. I can't feel the way that I used to feel. I can't be who I used to be. So there's no excuses to stay in this. It's time to clean house and rise up above it. Because God's calling us to better. So as I close with this. The Lord wanted me to tell you this. Don't stay here. Don't stay in your excuses. Don't stay with a limited perspective. You were created to be better. To have a better home. To be in a better place. Because these things are beneath your potential. Somebody in here... Do not be content to stay in your history. Rise above it and move into your destiny. Yep, history shaped me. But destiny says I have something better. And I know I'm not the only one in this church that wants to be better. I know I'm not the only one in this church that wants to change. I know there's people in here that want to rise higher. So I want you to think right now, right now, with looking at those things and then seeing those things dying. I'm looking at the past. Now I'm looking at the future. I see the history, but I see my destiny. Think right now what I could be if I kill those things today. Think right now what you could do if you killed something today. Think right now what you could become and your marriage could become and your family could become if you killed some things today. Because if you resist and you stay in this church, which I hope everybody comes back next Sunday, God is still going to push you. He's going to stir you in this church. So I've come by to tell you how to discern God because that discontentment in your life right now is God stirring you. That discontented feeling right now in this moment under my preaching is God trying to grow you. Restlessness inside of your life is God growing you. Yep, baby, he's got mood swings right now, but God is stirring him. Yes, sir, she's got an attitude right now, but God is stirring her. And all of those signs that I just mentioned is God stirring you, saying, rise up above it. And if truth be told, all of us would be down here. If we truly wanted to live out Romans 12, 1 and 2, all of us would be, some of you would already be down here. Because in all of you, there's something that needs to be changed. And I guess the question is, is are you going to be stubborn and apathetic and stay in your prison?
Or are you truly going to reach your potential? It's your time. I ain't going to beg you. Either you rise up or remain the same. Killing something is messy. 